Chanukah is a rabbinical holiday. It's uh, something that was created much later. It was created at the time uh, when Jews were not that independent. These were not uh, easy times. A lot of political upheavals. Jews did not leave, uh, live in absolute security. So, nevertheless, this holiday, this seemingly um, less important holiday, according to Kabbalah uh, and according to Chesidus, has the most potent power in diffusing evil from the world. There's a famous saying by a great uh, tzaddik, his name was uh, the Chidush Arim. The Chidush Arim says that there's a Gemara. The Gemara says, Mesech the Shabbos. A halacha about what are the types of wicks and oils were permitted to use for the mitzvah of lighting the candles of Hanukkah. We know about Shabbos, there are certain restrictions. There are certain wicks and certain oils that don't seem to produce a stable flame. This may result in a person uh, being tempted to adjust the flame to make it burn better, which can be a violation of Shabbos. So the certain types of oils and wicks you're not supposed to use for, for lighting Shabbos candles. It says the Gemara, however, when it comes to Hanukkah, even those wicks and oils that you cannot use for Shabbos, you can use for Hanukkah. And there's a discussion in the Gemara there, the, the legal side of the discussion, uh, we can leave in the Gemara. And one can check it up and look it up. But there is a deeper Hasidic interpretation. Psilis and Shmanim, the wicks and the oils, is a reference to the Neshama of a Jew. We know what Shleim HaMelech says, Ner Hashem Nishma Sodom, that the soul of a person is like a candle of God. Matter of fact, there is a hint, a remez, in the word nefesh. Nefesh, which means a soul, that nefesh is Rosh Tevis, Neir, Psila, and Shemen. So the wick and the oil and the candle that holds them together is a metaphor for the neshama, for the nefesh. It says the Chedusharim that Psila Sushmanim, those types of neshamas that don't, that don't burn well on Shabbos, and therefore you can't light them, you can't use them for Shabbos candles. In a, in a metaphoric sense, what it's saying is that there are certain souls that are in a such a lowly state that even the holiness of Shabbos does not touch them. They're not susceptible to spirituality to such a degree that even when Shabbos comes... They're untouched, they're unchanged. Shabbos doesn't affect them. The holiness of Shabbos has no impact. Nevertheless, on Hanukkah, says the Gemara, you can use those wicks and oils, meaning that on Hanukkah, those wicks and oils can be lit, meaning that the fire and the light of Hanukkah will touch them. And herein lies a very uh, profound idea related to the, the power of Hanukkah. A holiday that was that emerged in a time of darkness, which necessitated an extreme um, measure of devotion to the point of mesiris nefesh, 
where they had to put their lives on the line to protect the integrity of Judaism. These are not normal times. Normal times when Jews um, have freedom and they're able to practice their mitzvahs, their religion, there's no need to go to such extremes. But it's only when Jews are so persecuted, there's such darkness in the world, where Judaism is being oppressed, and Jews are being oppressed, that when Jews, if they want to <clears throat> uh, ensure that, that Judaism will continue, and the flame of, of Yiddishkeit will continue to burn, they need to go out, all out, and sometimes even to the extreme, putting their everything on the line, including their very lives. But such a gesture of devotion, Hasidus explains, elicits an incredible reaction or response uh, from a place that is so lofty and so transcendent that the world is not accustomed to. The world, with all its phenomenal evil forces, buckle and disintegrate when such a light comes into the world. It's the only type of light that is able to neutralize even the fiercest powers and forces of evil and forces of darkness. And this happens on Hanukkah. It's only because on Hanukkah there was so much darkness. And the only way to survive as Jews was to bring out the deepest strength that are latent in the deepest recesses of our neshamas. The power of mysterious nefesh, only that type of total commitment can elicit such a powerful light coming from above. And when that light shines below, it causes a complete um, disarray in the lowliest annals of evil and darkness. This is also the reason why on Hanukkah, we see so many Jews that will not partake in a Shabbos, in any Shabbos experience, any religious experience about Shabbos, but they will partake in a Hanukkah. Hanukkah touches everyone. It's such a powerful light that it shines even in the darkest places of the world. See, this adds another interesting aspect of the practice of Hanukkah that points to this idea. The halacha is in the Gemara, in the Shulchan Aruch, that a menorah should ideally be placed within ten handbreadth, ten tefachim of the floor. It should, place, it should be placed above three handbreadth, but lower than ten. What is the significance of that? What is the meaning of that? Why should the menorah be placed so low? So Chassidus explains this in a beautiful way. We know from Chazal that the lowliest ten handbreadth closest to the ground are metaphorically considered the most crude aspect of this physical universe. <clears throat> is the least susceptible to, to holiness, the least susceptible to a spiritual light. And Chazal point out that this is evidenced by the fact that we never see in the entire history of Judaism, of the Torah, where the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, would come down lower than ten handbreadth here in this world. We know that Hashem came down in this world, by Mount Sinai. He came down into this world and revealed His presence in the base of Migdash, in the Mishkan, on top of the Ark. But every time He came down, it was always 
above ten tfachim from the from the ground. The ark was ten tfachim high. With the cover on top of the ark, it was ten tfachim. And the Shekhinah rested on top of the ark, on top of the organ, between the two kruvim. The Shekhinah remained on top of the ark, it never came lower than that. At Har Sinai, the Gemara insists, the Shekhinah didn't come down all the way to the, on the mountain, on the ground. It, it hovered above ten tfachim from the ground. And Chassidus explains this in the same way as we said before. The ten lowest tfachim, the ten lowest handbreadth of, of, the, of, the, of the world, closest to the ground, is, is so uh, crude, so thick, and so um, impervious to the godly light that the Shekhinah couldn't penetrate such a th- crude and, um, and, and coarse environment. So when the Shekhinah does come into the world and reveals its presence, it is above ten handbreadth. Chaneke, we say the opposite. Take the light, the godly light that is expressed through the candles of Chaneke, and a Jew must take it down lower than ten handbreadth. Because to indicate the unique power that Chaneke has, the light of Chaneke is greater and more potent than the light of Shabbos. Because the types of wicks and oils, nishamis, that couldn't be lit, the, wood, the, the, the fire of Shabbos wouldn't catch them. But on Chaneke they would. L'chaim and Afrelech and Chaneke.